Excellent. You thought the astronaut was cringy. Check that one out. Come on. It's a how to one-up one another in the cringe factor. Good morning. Glad you guys are here this morning. Let's start out with our shouts. What do we do? We love God and we love others. And what do we say? I love God and I love you, man. What an awesome day to be at church today. And it's a blessing to see all of you here. Today we're kicking off this new series called Be Distinct, where we're going to be talking about what uh, Jericho Road Church, as a church, how are we distinct and, and how has God called us to be different from other places? And, and uh, the fun thing about this is that we're going to get to hear from each of our four pastors. We have four distinctives at our church that makes us uh, unique and we'll hear from each one of our four pastors uh, on the four consecutive Sundays. So uh, it's like a pastoral sermon battle, right? To see who's the victory, who's the best, right? No, 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 no. It's not to see who's the best. So please do not use this time to compare one pastor to another, to critique that pastor over this guy, or, well, I liked his better than him. He was smarter than him. He was uglier than him. He was taller than him. None of that kind of thing. No comparison. Uh, don't judge or rate uh, our various pastors, but rather each of our pastors is going to have a different approach. They'll have a different style and they'll have a different voice. And those are all unique. And God wants you to hear the difference, not the sameness. He is born to hear the same guy over and over and over again. I get it, right? But God wants you to hear the uniqueness of the voice that's coming from the perspective of the, our pastors as they help shape God's vision for our church. And so they're going to just be sharing with you on that. And so uh, make sure to encourage them. Have you come with a unique, uh, your open heart to hear uh, what their unique voice has to say. So cheer, be excited for the blessing that comes from having different voices be able to speak into our congregations. So fire. So I get to start it off. So let's go this morning. There's an age-old debate about these like little short animated videos. Uh, you'll be really familiar with them. Now you can send them uh, in your, via text message and that kind of stuff. They've captivated the web for decades. They look like these kind of things. I don't know if you enjoy sending those things, but uh, what are those things called again? How is that pronounced? GIF. GIF or GIF, or there's sort of some debate about it's actually how it's pronounced, but there shouldn't be because it's G-I-F and that sort of says GIF. Uh, it turns out there is a debate about it, and that debate was answered by this guy named Steve Wilhite. Now, Steve Wilhite gets to answer the question because still, Steve Wilhite, he invented this form uh, called graphics interchange format, the G period I period F. So he's the inventor of it while he was working at CompuServe in 1987. So this guy, Steve Wilhite, invented it. And they asked him, uh, they waited all the way till 2013 to ask this guy. And he was uh, receiving this uh, lifetime award for uh, uh, innovation and that kind of stuff. And they asked him uh, how it was pronounced. And Steve Wilhite, the creator of the GIF, he said it's pronounced GIF, not GIF, as in like the peanut butter, GIF. That doesn't even make sense, right? Because isn't it graphics, g-g-graphics? <laughs> it's GIF. Now, you can complain all you want, but you didn't invent it. Who gets to name the thing, the guy that invented it? My daughter's name is 
Kayla. It's not Kayla. Why? Because that's what my wife and I said. It doesn't matter what you say. We named her. We can call her whatever we want. Like Elon Musk, he called his kid like, right? Whatever. Like, the, the maker of the thing gets to identify or name the thing. Does that make sense? That is true in our reality. Why does this matter? Because the creator of the thing gets to the final say on the reality or the identity of the thing. How does this possibly connect to God or Jod? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Don't ever say that again. <laughs> so we worship Jod. He's so good. You know, people will not understand. Today we're going to be talking about our identity. And there's a, a thousand different views. And this is, in fact, one of the major topics of debate for our day. There's so much debate and, and discord and, quite frankly, worry and consternation about identity these days. Things like gender identity, racial identity, identity that comes from economic disparities or even professional identities. So this idea of the individual's identity is constantly, it's in, it's constantly in the news. It's in debate and it's under scrutiny currently. Uh, you can go on the web and find a thousand different personality tests or dream assessment, even BuzzFeed, uh, those BuzzFeed quizzes that tells you uh, whether you're more like Applejack or Rainbow Bright, you know, or Sprite or whichever, you know, like uh, My Little Pony you're more like, or whether you're in Slytherin or Gryffindor, always trying to find an identity. The, the web is full of places that will help you discover who you are and where you belong. It seems like everyone is searching for something and somehow or some sign to help them be pointed to who they should be, uh, who they actually are, where they belong, how they relate to the world. And sometimes I, I know that's true when you're in teenage years, but I don't know if it changes a ton even as you get older, trying to find where do I fit in in a community? Who am I as I grow older? What happens when my kids leave? Then what am I? Because for a long time, I, I've just been the mom. But when the kids aren't there, then what are you? One of the first places you're tempted to look for identity is in your career. Spending a significant amount of time and energy pursuing your career can cause you to feel like that's a defining characteristic of who you are. If you talk to a nurse, almost always that's how they lead. I'm a nurse. It's kind of who they are. Teachers, I'm a teacher. That's kind of who they are. Some people search for identity and financial success or status. I'm a millionaire. Others look for relationship status. Oh, I'm a, a husband or a wife or a mom or a dad. Or maybe in their appearance or their grades. I'm, I'm a Harvard bound. I'm, I'm a straight A student. I'm, an, I'm in the IB program. I'm in the AP program. I'm in the honors program. Maybe they look for it in reputation. Oh, everybody thinks I'm cool or I'm this or I'm that. We look to all those different places to help provide an identity for ourselves. And any or all of those may seem or feel like a solid foundation at first, but none of them are permanent. Any of them could change without warning. If you base your identity on the subjective and impermanent things like success, wealth, power, physical appearance, and so on, you're setting yourself up for great disappointment because a sudden job loss could make you no longer a nurse. One piece of gossip aimed your way could destroy your reputation, even if it's false gossip. 
Even your appearance changes as you get older. My eyes just get better and better looking. Who knew? <laughs> also a joke. <laughs> Those are all ways in which the world would have you find your identity. However, the world is the wrong starting point. To know the truth, you have to ask the maker of the thing. Is it gif or gif? And what the maker says matters. And that's the correct starting point. It's important as you define your identity that God not just be one of the many aspects of who you are. Like I'm a Christian, but I'm also these other things, or I'm spiritual, or I'm religious, or whatever. But God speaks to the entirety of your identity. And it's he who made you who defines your true identity. In the Bible, God tells us often how he views his people. Things like, you're loved, and you're chosen people, and you're a royal priesthood, and you're all this kind of nation, and you're redeemed. Those are how he views you in general. But he calls you to something very specific, giving you a new start. Here's what God does. So you're in your old way, you're finding identity in the world, and then this verse happens in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old gone, the new is here. In Christ, you are a new creation. God has made you new. The old things that used to define you have been taken away. Before Jesus, your identity wasn't tethered to the truth found in God, but, but rather trapped in the subjectivity of man. When you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit enters into you and you're changed. You're new because Jesus, in Jesus, your sin has been paid for. A right standing of, uh, before God has been restored. And a new identity will be given. And so what he does is he takes the old, he wipes it clean, but he doesn't just leave it clean. He doesn't say, oh, yeah, you, go be you, or be the best version of yourself. He doesn't wipe you clean to say clean. He wipes you clean of all that you were so that you can hear your correct identity. He says, let me reboot this computer. Take all that junk, all those errors, all, those, all the problems, start it clean, and let me punch in what they really are, who you really are. Look at this next powerful passage. And it says, you are a child of the king. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ Jesus, you've clothed yourself with Christ. That's your new identity. Wiped clean, made new. There is neither Jew or Gentile, neither slave or free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. Jew or Gentile, it doesn't, racial stuff doesn't matter. Free or slave or free, economic stuff doesn't matter. Positional stuff doesn't matter. Male or female, gender stuff doesn't matter. Those are all the debates of the identity in the world. But the reality for a Christian is that it is absolutely none of those. The world is trying to define it wrongly. And Jesus says, I'm wiping that clean and I'll tell you the right one. It's not about your, your ethnicity. It's not about your, your status. It's not about any of those things that you found identity in previously. He says, what is it about? Look at the first sentence. So in Christ, you are all children of God, not this other stuff. Your identity is a child of God 
if you've taken Christ upon yourself and God gets to define who we are because God is our maker. In Christ, we are all children of God. This is critical in a world that tries to define you, to steal your value, to steal your joy, shape you into something other than the thing that God called you to be, his child. So it's important that we always look to the Bible and say, God, how do you view me? What do you want to say about this kind of thing? To find out how God feels about us. It's in God's word where we discover the truth about who he is, and then we can discover the truth about who we are in him. That's why at our church, our first distinctive is identity, and and our church statement reads like this. Our identity is based on a deep personal experience with God. We are profoundly shaped through worship and the hearing of God's word. That's who you are. You are who God says you are according to his word. So if you put your faith in Jesus, you have a new identity in him. The more you get to know Jesus through his word and time in prayer, the more you'll actually actualize that reality of your new identity. You'll not only be named a child of God, but then you begin to embody it and, and embrace it and then show it out to others, that reality, and all the blessings that come with that. Being a child of God, there's a couple of things I'll, I'll just point off right away, benefits that come with being a child of God. The first is that you're forgiven. Jesus, who was without sin, died the death that you should have died on the cross so that you could be forgiven of sin. What you've done wrong is not counted against you, and all that Christ did right is counted for you. You are loved. In 1 John it says, See the great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that's what we are. That's who you are. The reason the world doesn't know us It's because it doesn't know him. In Christ, you are a loved child of God. This is unrecognizable to the world. It won't make sense. If you don't know Christ, this statement doesn't make sense. If you do know Christ, it makes all the sense. He offers you more than the world could ever offer. The Bible tells us that we are God's handiwork. In Ephesians 2, it says, We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. You were created with a purpose. God has a specific intention for your life when he brought you into the world. When when you made Jesus the Lord of your life, he said, you're my child, and child, guess what you're going to do? And he defines that out. As a child of God, we get to walk with God and do the good that his children were meant to do. And with this comes an incredible blessing. In 2 Corinthians 9, it says God is able to bless you abundantly so that in in all things, at all times, having all you need, you're going to abound in every good work. As a child of God, we are blessed and provided for. God will take care of you. God is watching over you. God is walking with you. God is able to provide you with everything that you need in Christ. He's the owner of everything and the giver of all good things. And that frees us up to abound with the good work that he wants us to do because we're copying our Father. God does good work, not because he has to. God does good work in the universe because it's who he is. And then we do good work, not to impress him, to have him like us, to, to have him call us our children. We're already called. We do good work because we're mirroring our Father because now it is who we are. 
I never do a good work to get into heaven. You can't be good enough to get to heaven. Good people don't go to heaven. Saved people go to heaven. Saved by the blood of Jesus, and that's it. But once you're saved and you have Jesus, then you get to mirror the Father. Then you got to say, well, what's the Father like? I look in the Bible. The Father provides. Uh, Jesus leaves heaven and comes to earth to care for us. He, he sacrifices for other people. Then I get to follow in the footsteps of the Father. Those good works, they're, they're many and diverse. There's tons and tons of things that'll come great out of you that God has prepared for you as a child of God, but it comes from our identity first. You've got to be sitting in that and say, God, I am your child. As your child, what do you want from me? Thanks for loving me. Thanks for blessing me. And as you're filled up by him, then what happens is an overflow happens. You don't have to cause yourself to do good. You're not going to be like, oh, good stuff. I've got to figure something good to do. No, as you fill yourself with God, as you step into your identity as a child of God, full of him, then all of a sudden God's stuff starts spilling out. They give you opportunity after opportunity to bless people. To Someone will need prayer, and you'll be able to pray for someone at your work. Someone will need, need you to come alongside them and share your lunch, and you'll share your lunch at work. Well, probably not after COVID. Nobody shares any lunches, right? But like something like that, someone will need you to help along. They'll need a, a handheld. They'll need a text or a reminder or something, whatever it is. God, as you remain in him and are filled with him, the good work that he's going to call you to will spill out, and he'll give you ample opportunity for great work. One of the main activities that comes out of our identity in Christ as God's child is to follow his great command. Jesus says this, and here's his greatest command. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Once I become a child of God, then my heart's desire, God will start to move my heart to say, what matters is that other people meet God too. Nothing else is going to matter. Everything else falls so short. Everything else is so temporary. You know what's not temporary? Eternal life. And that's available for everyone through Jesus Christ if we'll go share that. Now, as a church, we take the Great Commission quite seriously, which is why today is uh, such a wonderful Sunday. Maybe you're here on accident. You didn't know today was a wonderful Sunday. But today is our uh, short-term sponsorship uh, Sunday uh, and the rest of us, so what happens at our church, we're going to have some people who are going to do the going, where he says, go into all nations, baptize them. There's going to be some goers. But people can't go if they're not sent, and we take this seriously as a church. We don't think that anyone from our church should go anywhere unless we send them as a church, because it's not just a little program. It's part of the DNA. It's part of our identity as a church, that we are people who will go share the gospel throughout the world. But it's not just the person going that has responsibility. It's the rest of us who are sending because we're doing it as one body, as a single member. So it doesn't matter if you're, if you're this way, if, if you're the push or the pushy. We're all involved with this. Together, we fulfill the Great Commission as a church. God is not calling you to, as an individual. He's calling us all individuals. But here, as a community, he says, you're not alone. And you were never meant to do ministry or life alone. You were always meant to do it in community with people around you. You were never meant to do the Great Commission alone. It was always God's intention that the church fulfill the Great Commission. The church is full of individuals, but not by ourselves. It's full of individuals together. And so that's why we take this very seriously. And so we do something different than any other church does that I've ever heard about. We have this Sponsor Sunday where we're going to ask our church to, every single member of our church is going to be involved with either sending 
we're going. Now, the goers have already signed up. They signed a little petition thing, so I'm going to have those goers come on up here. So we have 16 people going. Uh, oh, let me, there's two that aren't here this morning. Let me grab them. They're going to make a, a virtual appearance right here. Here we go. Here we go. They're going to stand nice and tall with me. There they go. They're, they had to travel today, so these two aren't here. here step down there, Yuli and Arjun. You guys go there. They're not that tall. Come on. All right, there we go. Okay, and so uh, if we can, uh, Andrew, if you, this missions team is going to pass out some cards to you and pens to you, as, and the, the missionaries are going to put on this little necklace thing. Let me show you what it looks like. They're going to throw on this fine necklace, Etsy, you know. They're going to clip on a P and an F. And what we do at our church is they need to have one thing happen today, otherwise none of us are going on missions. They need to get this P covered. P is prayer, F is financial sponsor. Every missionary has to have a prayer sponsor. If they don't have a prayer sponsor, the team is not going. All 16 are done. And so the people that will be sponsoring them in prayer are the people that are in the chairs. <laughs> okay, so on your card, the first line, so what you want to do, it says name. That's your name. If you get a card, you write your name there, if this is your church. Now, I don't care. I picked on Hank a bunch. Is Hank here today? He better be here today. I pick on Hank all the time as our young guy. Hank, are you here? All right. I've been picking on Hank. So Hank is going to take that card. He is part of this church. Hank's like, uh, are you in seventh grade or eighth grade, Hank? Sixth grade. Sixth grade? Oh, even better. So Hank's going to fill his name out at that top line. He's going to put Hank Cho. And then he's going to fill out one of three lines. The first line says, I want to be a prayer sponsor. That means you're going to pray for this missionary every day they're on their mission. And then you're going to uh, meet with them before and you're going to meet with after. That's the P part. And you'll get, a, I'll, I'll explain how this works in just a second. The second line you can fill out is, I want to be a financial sponsor. That means you're committing to, to pay half of their fee, which is $1,000. Crazy. That's the F here. And the third line is because we want, I don't, I don't think Hank probably has $1,000. You got $1,000, Hank, of your own money, not your parents' money? He's nodding no. But I think uh, Hank needs to send if he's not going to go. And so God is going to ask Hank maybe to say, like, how much money did you get? He said, well, I got $20 for my birthday, and I'm willing to give five of it to support someone. So that would be that third box where you check a supporter and then Hank maybe puts in five bucks because he wants to give five of his 20. That's 25% of his life total income to send. Or if you just, you're like, I can't pray for them every day, but I can pray for them three days, then just mark that prayer supporter, that third box. So check one of those three boxes. If this is not your church, you're not required to do this. If this is your church, there really is no way out of this. So it's not even like a guilt sending. Uh, it's sort of spiritual and and the reason we put the P and the F is because our church is so amazing, they feel bad if anyone gets left out. And so, like, you'll be watching, and they'll be like, oh, no one, no one prayer sponsored that, that poor puppy. I'm going to go prayer sponsor them, right? And so that's why we have the P and the F, so that you and the congregation can see who's been sponsored in those areas, okay? And so when uh, there's going to be a seven-minute video, that's the whole time that you have, you go up to the person that you're going to, then you want a prayer sponsor, prayer support, or uh, financially uh, sponsor support, and you're going to give them their card. If it's one of the top two boxes, they're going to remove this 
or this. That way you know they've been covered financially and prayerfully. Okay? Now, you can, audience, you can financially sponsor all 16. That's only 16 grand. No problem. <laughs> Separate card for each person. I want a, one for this guy. Put your name on another card. This girl, if you need more cards, there's plenty of cards. So you can do more than one person. You could support more than one person. You could sponsor more than per one person. You can prayer sponsor. Let's say there's three of you, three of them, and God is putting them on your heart right now, and you see their beautiful face, and you're like, man, I want to pray for that person. I want to connect with them. I want to make sure they're supported. And so that's the way that it's going to work. And so uh, once these are removed, that doesn't mean you can't still support them or sponsor them. It means that they have it at least one person. And you can also give them a card if God puts you on their heart. Now, we are going to ask you to absentee these guys. So they're, they're please help us too, you know, sponsor <laughs> us. Um, and so we're going to do that. Uh, there'll be a, uh, a video that's showing people and places we're going to be with. Uh, mixed with the missionary uh, faces who are going. And so you'll have seven minutes to do that. <laughs> Figure out what you're going to do. Uh, I think that's been enough time to ride on your car and think about it. I know we've been talking about this for months in advance. This is a powerful spirit moment. Let me pray it, and then we'll start the video. God, we pray for your powerful supernatural provision in both parts when we go that souls will be changed, ours and others, and that as we go that we'll have men and women who will come alongside us and be able to send our team to share your good news. We do it as one. We are your church only together. We are not your church individually. And so we unite. What a cool time where we're going to get to unite in a special, unique way for this season, for this summer. Bless us in this time. Let's play that video. Thank you. 
and take a second to pray. God, we commit this summer coming up to you and that you would powerfully go out, that your name and you alone would be exalted from our senders and our goers. God, we worship and we honor you. We see powerfully you working and we thank you that we could do this together as one people. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, you guys can, missionaries could sit down, but don't worry, the sermon's not over. There's still more. dun dun We're almost done here. Look, the Great Commission is one of the awesome privileges we have as children of God, that he allows us to participate as his emissary, being his children. That is one of the ways. But our identity brings much, much more. It shapes everything about us. It, it, it shapes what we do tomorrow and this afternoon and how we view the world, how we treat one another, how we treat difficulty and problems and life stuff. It changes everything about us. It changes how we navigate life. So I want to ask, would you allow the Holy Spirit to move you this morning? If you can just take a second and say, God, I want to, be, I want to, I want to feel that sense of wiped clean and then called as your child of God. Would you sit in that reality just today? Maybe you've been a Christian a really long time, but it doesn't matter if you're an old person or a young person. You are God's child. And with that comes who he calls you to be, your true identity. Nothing about the world, nothing about your profession, nothing about the fight you had with your wife or husband. Your identity is who God calls you. And he says, you are my child, forgiven, free, loved, special possession created for incredible good works. Would you sit in that? And just pause on that for a second, and then we're going to worship together.